Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. You're listening to a special episode of Popcorn Podcast where we chat to the director of Bergman Island, Mia Hansen-Lerver. I'm Timmy Fland, movie buff. And I'm Lee Livingstone, entertainment journalist. And we love to talk all things movies. And before we jump into our chat with Mia, in Bergman Island, a couple retreat to the Swedish island that inspired director Ingmar Bergman to write his most famous films. While there, they work on screenplays for their upcoming films and the lines between reality and fiction begin to blur. Bergman Island is written and directed by Mia hansen Lerver, starring Vicky Creeps, Tim Roth, Mia Wasikowska and Anders Danielson-Lee. Now, we sat down with writer and director Mia hansen Lerver to discuss her new film and its themes, how making Bergman Island helped her to understand her own creative processes as a writer and filmmaker, and how ghosts of the past inspire her. It's a fascinating chat, so let's take a listen. A young woman looks into the distance. She's about my age, or maybe a bit younger. So tell us about your main characters, Tony and Chris. Who are they or where are they at when we meet them? Well, they are a couple of directors invited to the island where Bergman used to live in order to write their script. And they have a daughter, but they're not traveling with her. And we, we realize while they spend time on the island that there is a growing distance maybe between them but on the other hand there is also a very strong artistic complicity and so the film or at least this first part of the film is about this tension between them between what 
unites them, what ties them together. I don't know how to say that in English, I'm sorry. And this tension between the, the bound between them and between the distance that grows and the creative process is part of, of this distance. Each one has his secret garden, so to say, and deals with that in a different way. But I think the more the film progresses, we realize that the film is actually a portrait of her. The film starts as the portrait of two directors. And I think there is something a little bit mischievous about that, actually, that it seems that it's going to be about him, but because he, the older and more accomplished director, is paid a tribute to, and she just comes with him as his partner. But progressively, we realize that the film is actually more about her and about her process of uh, writing. Are you a particular fan of Ingmar Bergman's work? Yes. <laughs> Is that an obvious question? <laughs> I could have gone there and, and, and stayed in houses for months without being a fan, but that I think would have made me uncomfortable. Uh, but these films are still as uh, important nation after making this film. So I don't feel like the film has exhausted, you know, the... My admiration to his work, uh, it's, it's a huge territory. And I think when you are a fan of the films of Ingmar Bergman, that's something that will be with you for your whole life because there is so much to look at, so many mm -hmm. films. So it's so rich, so complex uh, that you can never really uh, get uh, tired of it, I think. Well, I think you mentioned in the film that he made 60 films. Is that was that right? 60? Yeah, I think some. Well, I, I don't know the exact uh, number, mm -hmm. but I think it's something something like that and when you are in Sweden you realize that because we look outside of Sweden we look at him as a director only I mean he, he has uh, directed so many theater plays like hmm. I don't know hundreds so in Sweden his, his work as a director is considered as only a part of what he was doing which yeah. is uh, difficult to understand how he made how he created so much. It is, yeah. This creative power that he has is something difficult to even analyse, you know. In Bergman Island, it's discussed that he believed in ghosts. Are Amy and Joseph ghosts of Chris's past or are they pure figment of her imagination? I think when you write these, the kind of stories that I write, you have to believe in ghosts somehow because they inspire me. The reason why I, I, I could never shooting a studio is because to me it's like an empty box a studio and what i love is shooting in places that exist where i can see the light and the sky but also because these places are often haunted and i like that it inspires me to feel the presence of the past and the people who have been there before whether it would be people that have nothing to do with my own story or people that comes from my own past, my own mm -hmm. imagination. But in one way or another, I think for me, writing films, making films always has to do with this interior dialogue that I feel having with ghosts somehow. Yeah, yeah I think that's my favourite thing about the art of film is that it's often an exploration or expression of the creator. But what did you personally want to explore with Bergman Island in yourself? I think I wanted to capture, to understand how inspiration works for me. Uh, after making, I had, I had made uh, six films before and I, I realized that there was this confusion that I was creating unwillingly maybe, uh, but when I was making film, uh, 
between my, my reality and my fictions, so to say. And, and I realized that I was always stimulated by this confusion itself. And that made me think one day, why not try and make a film that, that captures this strange process where wounds of the past, ghosts of your life, you know, things that scare you, or how all these things that vanish with the time mm. passing, how they can live some sort of second life through the fictions mm. and how you reinvent your own story while you are trying to find a meaning in your life. And, 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 and I thought this, that this process was extremely fascinating, actually. So I thought that Foreux, the place where Bergman has lived for 25 years, where he wrote many films and that is the symbol of the mystery of creation somehow for me, I thought that it would be the perfect place to make a film that questions the process of inspiration. And at the end, did it help you understand your own creative process any better? I think so. <laughs> well, it's not like you, you cannot really solve any of your problems, you know, when you make films, it's not like a psychoanalysis or you mm. think it is, but at the end it never works. And it's good that it doesn't work because that's why you want to make another film after that. Otherwise, if it was just like a, doing a psychoanalysis, you would just yeah. stop and that would be over. So it's like a quest for a meaning that you can never really achieve, uh, find, you know. But still, there was a, a huge joy for me in making this film. And for that reason, I would say that it helped me a lot, just because of the joy it brought me to make a film about the process of filmmaking and look at how moments that are painful in life can turn into very stimulating and inspiring things for a film, you know? And there is something mischievous and funny about this thing. I think we are like kids when we make films. It's like, you know, like kids, they play with do dolls. They imagine that they're in hospitals and orphans and, and it's a way to get rid of their fears. But I think uh, even adults, we are a little bit like that. So we reinvent our lives and get rid of anxieties while we make films. When you're creatively stuck, you know, when Chris is creatively stuck, she walks and talks it out with her husband. And what do you do when you hit a roadblock in your creative process? <laughs> I think I try to wait patiently. I think there is not so much to do, but I remember when I was... Writing my first films, I was very scared by these moments, you know, when you are in front of the white page and you're just stuck. And I'm very used to that. And I had this technique, determination that was mine, where I would just stay there sometimes for hours and something will always come out. But it's scary sometimes. It's like a vertige, you know, but I, mm. I think I learned with time. I learned to be patient. The thing is, when you have made more films also, you are a little bit more reassured, you know, about yourself or you think or you hope that something will come out at the end, you know. But uh, yes, when I was doing my first film, the first one, the second, the third, each time I really thought it was a huge risk that it's the last one, you know. I would always say it's my last film, you know. Now, now I'm a little bit more optimistic, although I, I keep on saying this uh, sometimes. <laughs> yeah. I like also that you touched on um, the different expectations placed on men and women in being able to pursue professional fulfillment 
while also having a family and it's tougher for a woman. It just always is. Do you think it's possible that we'll ever have equality in that sense? I think it's much easier today than a hundred years ago when it's mm. it was easier a hundred years than two hundred years ago. So that brings me to a certain optimism. I, I, I do think the society is changing a lot and quickly and I do think that more and more women are able to do the works that used to be the works of men, including more and more female directors are working now and, and becoming self-aware and find self-confidence. But there is certainly a long uh, process uh, and, and, and a long way to go. Uh, but uh, I think something we can never change is the relationship we have with the family, with our children. Uh, it is a matter of men and women, but it's also a matter of personality, of course. I mean, some women, uh, you know, uh, work nonstop, even if they have kids and some other uh, need to give more time for their kids. But we could say in general, and it's only a generalization. So, of course, it's not always true, like all generalizations. But I mean, in general, I think it's more difficult for women to find a balance between their family life, the motherhood and creation. It's a history that, that tells it to us. I mean, you just if it's, it's not I'm not saying this ideologically, but just as an observation that how it works around me. And uh, I, I, I see that it's easier for a man to go for four months away to make a film in their head, I mean, it's easier. I think mm. for most, again, not all of them, but for most women, it's going to be more difficult mm. to leave that child for four months in order to prepare and shoot a film, you know? So yeah. that is something that's so deep and structural that I, I, don't, I, I don't know if we can ever change that or it really would depend on every woman's personality. But I, I do think it's very difficult for woman artists to find the balance mm. but it's interesting at the end and what i try to express in this film is that you can also make films that deal with that and maybe these films are going to be different from the one of the men just because the men didn't have to deal with that i mean if you look at the films of bergman and god knows how much i admire his films but none of his films deal with motherhood you know yeah and and so i think what I try to say to myself is thanks to the fact that, yes, I, I will never make 60 films like Bergman and I will never have the same kind of creative power. Mm. But maybe I can use who I am, my vulnerability or, you know, um, my experience of life as a mother as, as something that actually yeah. gives something to the cinema that is also precious, that is maybe unique or that actually belongs only to women, you know, mm. and maybe we can look at it differently and, and, and not see that as some weakness, but like a, a richness, like a power, another power, actually, because we can express things that maybe only women can express. Absolutely. Before I wrap up, could you expand on the section of the film where Chris breaks through the fourth wall and interacts with this story that she's trying to create? So she speaks to the actors. What's happening in your creative choice at that time to have her speaking to Anders and Mia? That moment to me is really the moment where all I was building in the film kind of unites. You know, it's about yeah. the inspiration creates between uh, life and fiction, but also about the fact that uh, the cinema has the power of emancipating us from some weaknesses or I think that's really the moment where at that moment she's, she's not the vulnerable young woman trying to find inspiration, she's a director 
She's making right. a film. Anders is not a character making Amy suffer anymore. It's just an actor working for her yeah. and uh, with the orders, you know, doing yes. what she wants him to do. But we also see the, the erotic tension between them. It's, uh, I think it's full of that because I think the cinema is about that to me. Cinema is about transmission of some desire, sexual desire and erotic tension from our story, our past, our imagination into the film and into the actors, basically. So yeah. the, it's, it's another erotic charge in, at, the ver at the last part. It's maybe more between Chris and her actor, but it's also about this erotic charge. But it just it took another form. And yeah. I think the cinema is about this process where the erotic tension moves, you know, from one world to another, but it's still there somehow. That's so interesting. I had understood it that she was like really working through the story and really putting herself into the story to try and get it out of her, you know, but that's that's really interesting. Also there, but it's it's uh it's there's so many layers for me in this yeah. moment that it's difficult actually to just summarize in a few words in English. I would need like more time <laughs> French language to say all the nuances and, and all the layers that I see in there. Yeah, it's beautiful. Thank you so much for explaining that. And thank you for your time talking about Bergman Island. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. You know how hard writing is for me? It's, it's torture, it's self-inflicted agony, it's blood from a stone. Well, then do something else. Well, there you have it. A fascinating chat with a fascinating filmmaker. Make sure you check out Bergman Island because it's in Australian cinemas from March 10. All right, guys, as always, thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. If you enjoy our episodes, head over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe. While you're there, we would love you to rate us and leave a review. You can also find us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Amazon Alexa, and where all good podcasts are found. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.